Welcome to Ascend Sessions. And in this episode, we'll be uncovering conflict at work, from where it stems from to how you can effectively deal with conflict resolution. I'm excited to be joined by Ishrin Bradley, Chief Inspiration Officer of Equality Pioneers. Ishrin's passion and expertise enables her and Equality Pioneers to support leaders across the world to develop the essential skills to navigate and positively impact the world around them. As mentioned in this episode, we'll be breaking down a variety of what conflict at work can look like from the overt to the more subtle conflicts such as microaggressions. I'm excited to uncover practical steps and advice on how to actively handle conflict, whether you are the challenged, challenger or the observer. So I guess just before we get started, how are you today? Yeah, I'm really good. You know, the sun's shining and I'm in my home office looking out over the garden and it's really beautiful. Amazing. And how, I guess, um, before we specifically get started with conflict at work, which I assume has changed and, you know, changed drastically within the past couple of months that I guess we've all been living through. How how has this period been for yourself um, and sort of the work that you're doing as well? Well, I think um, most of us would have had a similar pattern. Um, March and April were quite dead, you know, and I was thinking, okay, it's going to be like this for the rest of the year. And then the whole George Floyd thing happened, which was really upsetting and shocking. But his legacy is amazing, right? Because organizations are finally, finally taking black lives at work seriously. And we've been swamped. We're doing some really great work with many different organizations to help them create a culture of anti-racism in the organization. And from trustee or board member through the exec team through senior team down to the most junior levels and even the contractors are involved in the work we're doing so it it truly is after a really long time an opportunity to create cultures in which people feel there's equity where they feel they're included and and have a sense of belonging you know which is so important to us as human beings Absolutely. And I think um, the belonging aspect, especially now, you know, the fact that majority of us are working from home and obviously at the beginning of the pandemic, it was lockdown and quarantine. quarantine. So that feeling and sense of belonging, I feel, is definitely heightened. And I really also appreciate how you've mentioned that you are sort of actively working with leaders and organizations to create a culture of anti-racism because with the George Floyd um, situation and everything that has arose from that, including the Black Lives Matter conversation, it's really showcasing that, you know, it's not enough to disagree with it. You know, you have to actively do something to break down those structures. And I think, you know, by saying anti-racism environment, it Hit the net. It hits the nail on the head. Um, yeah. and yes, I was going to say no more sort of playing around with you know. Let's create a culture of inclusion and belonging, which bypasses the the core issue, uh, which is you know structural racism is still unconsciously in organisations, right? And that's a source of 
conflict. I mean, it's interesting that this is a conversation about conflict and and um, the whole way the world has taken Black Lives Matter seriously um, is through a conflict situation. A very yeah, physical I- one. <laughs> I know. I was just about to say um, this sort of introduction of the podcast is like a perfect um, way to obviously lead into what we will be covering and obviously what we'll be sharing with the listeners. Um, So I guess before we get a bit deeper, because obviously I could speak about, um, you know, racism, anti-racism, the fight for Black Lives Matter for days. Um, So Mm. let's just take step back um and I guess it would be be good to hear from yourself and obviously with what you've seen and who you've worked with and your understanding you know how does conflict appear at work um you know from the most I guess overt examples and you know causes to the more subtle you know under the radar you know, not necessarily time to take it to HR sort of conflict. Um, It would be, yeah, great to hear your thoughts on what it looks like, does it appear. Um, Yeah, the floor is yours. Thank you. So um, I think if I take a step back from the real intensity of the Black Lives Matter approach, and let's look at conflict in general, like we all face conflict on a daily basis, whether that's conflict within ourselves where we're not sure about whether we should do something or not do something or why somebody did something. You know, we have that inner dialogue in our heads always going on, don't we? And so um, we need to learn to deal with that. And then we need to learn to deal with conflict when it's outside of ourselves. So I think I'd like to start there really is um, if we look at work and we look at um, conflict. The the truth is, we're all faced with different types of people at work, and conflict occurs in many different ways. Um, and sometimes it's really overt and obvious, like somebody makes a comment, and you know they're trying to stir you up, and and they're challenging you. And at other times, it's just very subtle and challenging, but you don't even know whether that's a conflict situation or whether you're imagining it. And you might not even notice sometimes, you know? And sorry, just to jump in with that, like when you say subtle and like, you know, it's something that you're not too sure about, how how do you, I guess, make that internal decision that you're like, okay, this this is something that doesn't isn't right like isn't sitting right like I shouldn't just brush it off my shoulder for example when it is so subtle and you know that internal conversation that you as you've mentioned yes Yes. so um let me give you a few different examples because I think that'll help illustrate this and this is um these examples um show how a tool that I use quite a lot uh called Kilman would address your question. So some typical examples. So imagine you spoke spoke up about something once at work and you thought it was a contribution, but you noticed that as a result, opportunities weren't coming to you. You weren't getting the high profile projects. So now you're keeping your head down 
You're just hoping that you can hold on to your job, especially in these times, right? So that that's a kind of reaction where you're avoiding the conflict and you're choosing to comply. But the thing is, with that kind of situation, it doesn't go away. It kind of niggles in the background. And sometimes when you're with that person you're in conflict with, you might show up as passive aggressive. And then they kind of don't know how to deal with you because it looks like you're smiling and you're happy and you're cooperative, but they can feel this aggression coming towards them. So that's where you're being quite subtle about where you're in conflict. So that's, I think, the the subtle example that you were talking about, Jordan. Yeah. Then there's, an, yeah, yeah. So then uh, there's another kind of conflict where you're not giving back that aggression, okay? So you're, you're being cooperative, but you're also being unassertive. So this example is... Imagine your team's up against a deadline and the monthly report is overdue and you're in charge of producing it. Your colleague has to finalize the presentation, but your colleague's really overloaded and your manager's pushing for the report. And with your workload, you've got a bit of downtime on your project. So you decide to do your colleague's work to keep everything moving and you're completely okay with it. You're like, you're doing it as a contribution to be cooperative and uh, that's the kind of style, that's a strategy for dealing with conflict that we would say you're accommodating, you know? So you realize that their need is greater than your needs, so you're willing to give in. And yeah. that's the unassertive bit. Another example is, for example, if you're leading a project and you're negotiating budgets for your team and you want a certain team member on your team and you decide that, no, you know what, we need that person on the team and we need that budget and I'm going to really push for it. You know you have a good case and you're just going for it irrespective of what your colleagues want. And so you're being very assertive, but you're not being cooperative. And that's yeah. a strategy called compete, right? You're competing for resources. There are two more. So the next one is where you're negotiating a deal, for example, on behalf of your company, and the customer's got a limited budget. It's near the end of the quarter, and you know that you can close the deal by offering the discount, and that would enable you and your team to meet the targets for the quarter. So what you do is you offer a discount to close the deal. It's still more than they wanted to pay, but it's less than you wanted to sell it at. And that's a compromise strategy. And that's typically used when you're short of time, when you're running up against a deadline and you just need a solution. And neither side really gets what they want, but it's something you can live with in order to move forward. And the fifth, the fifth conflict, strategy. Uh, imagine it's appraisal time. You've done everything that was on your objectives. You're feeling good. Your manager says, though, when you come to the appraisal that he can't give you a five because you haven't done enough. You need to have done more. And you could apply any one of these five strategies to that situation, right? But what I'm going yeah. to talk to you about is a, a strategy that will move you forward where you take time to understand and appreciate the situation. So, you know, it's a tough financial situation. There are quotas on how people are rated. And so rather than avoiding it, which you could do, 
you could just say, oh, well, I'm just going to live with it and be angry about it inside. Uh, instead of accommodating it, which is to say, do you know what? I don't really need that five this time. I'll go for it next time. Mm-hmm. You could you could become very challenging and say, look, I've done everything on the list. And if you don't yeah. give me my five, I'm not going to do any more. Right. <laughs> or you could compromise. You know, you kind of kind of say, OK, well, if I do this. This time you'll give me something else in return like that. And the mm. fifth strategy is to collaborate. And and in this particular example, I would definitely see if you can take a collaborative approach, which is that you do, you understand the situation the organization's in and the, the situation your manager's in, and you have an open conversation with them to work out a plan together with regular milestones and meetings to make sure that you reach that five next time and that you get promoted and you have almost an agreement with them that if I meet these milestones, I will get a five and there will be actions going on alongside that, which will enable me to get promoted. So those are my five strategies for um, observing covert Mm. and overt uh, challenging situations and, and managing them. I really um, thank you. First of all, I really like how you've um, split, I guess, those strategies and coping mechanisms into like five digestible um, examples. Like I was just following along and I was like, yep, yep. I've been in that situation, that situation. I've seen colleagues being in that situation. So I think it's something the way that you've broken it down is something that can resonate with I think all professionals um, in the working space. And one thing that I just want to, I guess, dig a bit further before we move on is when you are in a certain conflict situation um, and let's say you have that split second where you are aware of what's going on and you're trying, you know, to move towards that fifth strategy of collaboration, but you know, for whatever reason, you know, you still want to be competitive or you still want to try to do the compromise because obviously the collaboration strategy is the optimum for, you know, most um, conflicts. So how do you, I guess, have that switch and ensure that you are not having that sort of just unconscious, you know, yeah. um, reaction, basically? Sorry, couldn't yeah. get my word out. <laughs> Okay. Uh, so the the rule of 10 is my favorite way of dealing with that I think many people are familiar with it it's it, just being connected with yourself being mindful so let's see so then the first thing to do is to learn to be mindful right and there are many techniques for you to practice mindfulness so that when you get to a situation like this you can switch on that mindfulness, right? And in this case, the mindfulness is really getting um, aware, becoming aware of your emotions and your physical sensations, right? So whilst most people know about the rule of 10, you know, you count to 10 before you reply, if while you're counting to 10, you can start to become aware of your physical sensations and the thoughts and yeah. apply some emotional intelligence to say, okay, I'm feeling like this. It's not going to be useful for what I really want to accomplish because 
competing and challenging is rarely useful unless it's an urgent situation. And then you can say, look, this I, I get I'm feeling this emotion. It's not useful for me right now. What other emotion can I bring? And I'm going to bring that emotion so that I can conclude this in a way that's satisfactory for myself and for the other person. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Perfect. Thank you. That was, I was just like taking my notes as well. Rule of 10, mindfulness. <laughs> and I think, as you said, it's just sort of being able to, in that moment, just sort of be grounded and understand the situation so you can react and, you know, say what is needed to say in a way that is positive on both parts. Um, and, you know, sometimes when conflict does arise, it's, it can be challenging to do that. So, we are listeners, we are going to be sharing more, so stay tuned. Um, the one thing that I would really like to, um, I guess, dig a bit further, um, and it might be a tangent, but I don't think it's, I think it's still related. Um, just going back to the more um, subtle experiences, and especially with, you know, the recent, like, rise of the Black Matters conversation, conversation especially within the professional sense um because obviously this this movement has been going on since 2016 but we've seen a real rise in the corporate and our working space this year really we could say what yeah. um, what would be your insight and comments I guess in regards to things such as microaggressions and you know the real under the radar um type of comments and behaviors that you know are classed as microaggressions but aren't necessarily to the extent of a conflict at work situation um so it would be good to hear your understanding of that because there's definitely more and more I think understanding around these unconscious biases that come out in microaggressions in the workplace yeah, yeah. so um this is more and more important now as people become more aware of what a microaggression is. You know, in the past, we could say, you know, the person didn't intend any harm. They just didn't know any better. It wasn't meant maliciously. But now that this conversation's out there and people are aware of microaggressions, I think it's incumbent on all of us to just be aware about microaggressions and not to say things um, that could cause offence. You know, uh, a typical one that people who don't look like the dominant group get asked is, where are you from? Yeah. <laughs> right. well, I sometimes don't know how to answer that when I'm asked, where are you from? Well, are you asking about my organization or where <laughs> I live now? Or <laughs> There's so much like I can give you like 10 different locations. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and the thing is, it causes conflict for the other person. Right. And and they they may or may not know that you're actually asking what their heritage is. And mm. anyway, anyway, why does it matter, right? Because um, you might think, you know, if you ask that question, where are you from? You might think you're just making small talk and you're trying to get related and connected. Um, 
But just because we look a certain way, there's that thing about optical racism, isn't there? If Just because yeah. we look a certain way um, doesn't mean that we're, we relate to ourselves as being from another country. Mm. You know, so that, you know, so if you're um, a person who might be the microaggressor, that's the kind of thing to look out for. You know, I've also heard, um, so I do a lot of work with the cultural sector as well as IT and finance. And um, it's a priceless example of uh, some gallery hosts. So these are people who show... um, visitors around a museum or around an art gallery and um they're they're quite skilled you know they know they've spent time learning about the exhibition and the artist and all of that and so they can have a very high level conversation a very deep conversation about a piece of art and um I often hear the people I'm working with come back to me and saying they either experienced this or they observed one of their colleagues experienced this and how uncomfortable it made them feel, which is somebody Uh-oh. saying something Uh-oh. like, I didn't expect someone like you would be so knowledgeable about art. Oh, no, I, ha- I had a feeling you would go there and you <laughs> and And what do you mean by that? And exactly, what right? Exactly. So, you know... And again, the, their response could be any of those five strategies, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, very often, I think they would go, especially a gallery host, which is, you know, not seen as a very senior position necessarily, maybe, you know, middling at at best. Most likely, and especially because it's a, a visitor to the gallery, most likely they would follow the avoid comply strategy Mm. right they wouldn't say anything but they'd be quite angry inside you know and that that microaggression because the avoid comply strategy means you haven't processed it properly you've just kind of suppressed it means it'll come out somewhere else it'll come out somewhere else it won't come out with that visitor because you don't want to lose your job yeah (laughs) right but it'll come out you know either with a colleague or a family member and it'll come out in a really inappropriate way yeah and and i think hmm. oh sorry go ahead go ahead and i was just going to say and that's going to have consequences for for the gallery host for the person who was um at the receiving end but it's going to have consequences for the person they take their passive aggression out on as well yeah absolutely I was just about yeah I was about to say the same thing but you took the words out of my mouth and I think as well with the you know the examples that you've highlighted with microaggressions is that you know it can it usually is not you know um, malicious behavior or trying to come out in a negative way and you know usually it is just to do small talk which is sometimes the worst thing because you're just like oh you really did that didn't you like said that in a conversation so I think highlighted sort of obviously trying to process it in a way that enables you to 
for it not to come out in another instance, um, I think is crucial because it's something that can fester. It's something that, you know, can continue. And yeah, anger is can can turn into a very nasty monster, as I think we all know. Um, Yes. (laughs) So I think just um, one thing that I would like to ask, I guess, now moving into how how do we handle conflict which I'm I'm sorry that's a big question to ask but (laughs) when 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 we are faced with a certain situation let's go with a more um subtle situation because I think with very overt situations I think it's you know there are clear steps that you can do in regards to line managers external help HR um you know citizens advice bureau and so forth but I think when it comes to the more subtle things um, and situations where, you know, possibly you find yourself in a different role in that conflict, you know, what is the advice and steps that you can do to sort of take as much control then and there? So, you know, it's not festering as we spoke of before. Yeah. So let's look at that. If you were the person who's been challenged The first thing I would say is do what's required to get you to a 10 out of 10 before you could even get into that situation so that you're Mm. more resilient to what the other person might say and so that you can maintain your self-confidence levels. You know, you know who you are. You're happy with who you are. You're at peace with who you are. So uh, there are different tools you can use. There's kind of, you know, getting yourself to a 10 out of 10. It's understanding where you're at when you're at the lower levels. You might say, you know, if you use the traffic light when you're in the red zone, um, Mm -hmm. how do you move yourself from that red zone through amber to green? And and so that you can, and, and do that before you let yourself be exposed to any conflict situation so maybe a ritual you do in the mornings or you know something that you do when you get into work that just sets you up so that you can't be you can't be at the impact of the challenge and and not have space to do counting to 10 and doing do mindfulness Uh, the second is really um I've already said it it's the apply the the counter 10 rule and mindfulness right so just when you find yourself in the middle of the situation it's so easy to go with where your energy is taking you when you feel that you've been unfairly treated and that's usually not going to have a good result for you so the second thing is is really to um, practice even when you're in calm spaces practice the counter 10 rule count from zero to 10 and start to get aware of what's going on inside of your body or physiology Um, and you might find that you have a habit right like your body might have a physical sensation just before you say something that's not conducive Mm, yeah yeah um I don't know some people find their temples start twitching you know the little nerve at the top of your head starts inflaming or some people feel their heart rate go up or some people feel their jaws clenching or your shoulders getting stiff you know whatever that is for you I think probably every human being has some kind of reaction that's that fight reaction right um from our caveman days 
or there's the <laughs> flight, you know, or there's that flight reaction, you know, I better run away. So what does your body do when it's thinking about running away? Does it shrink? Um, do you go numb? You know, the freeze, yeah. the freeze, do you know, do you go numb? Do you feel like you can't think anymore? Whatever that is for you, just become more and more aware of that so that when you're doing your count to 10, you can switch, use mindfulness to switch to something more useful. Mm, absolutely and I yeah. uh, sorry to interrupt and I think just what you were saying um and really I think echoes with myself and hopefully the listeners as well in that sense of becoming aware of sort of how your body is reacting to certain things because you know I'm I'm a strong believer in you know your energies and like how your thoughts it will eventually like your body will react to that so you know when you're scared of something you know, you get goosebumps, you have that shiver down your spine and so forth. So, you know, it's obviously that's an extreme version. But, um, you know, when you are getting into certain conversations that you might be anxious about or, you know, you have previous conflict with that person, I think just as you've said, sort of grounding yourself and becoming aware of what's going on so that you can consciously react towards it rather than just like, as you've said, letting your physiology do the do the yeah. talking for you yeah exactly and that's the you know we kind of we've been so trained to use our heads and our minds and we're kind of experts with our minds right um but sometimes our minds might be telling us no I shouldn't say that I know I want to say that I shouldn't I'm not going to say that and but there you go you say it right you say that thing that you've been telling yourself you're not going to say, and that's because your physiology is driving what you actually end up saying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mm. I have I have a couple of questions to ask you, but I'm going to try limit them and not go on for hours and hours. Um, but I guess the third, it would be interesting to hear the third, I guess, role um, when there is that conflict at work. So obviously we've spoken about the challenged and the challenger, but how about, you know, the observer colleagues or managers that are around that, you know, see or hear that conflict? Yeah. So um, actually, I'm not sure I covered the challenges, so I should probably do that because you mentioned oh. it, Jordan. Thank you. Um, so, so the challenger, um, if you're the one who's known to be a bit challenging or you find yourself challenging when you don't want to, I'd say what you probably want to do is to start developing yourself in understanding other people. And there are various tools that you can use to do that. You know, we all have different ways of behaving and different ways of receiving information because essentially conflict is an exchange of verbal and physical information between people right so you want to look at um, how do you communicate first of all so are you someone who's very direct are you results driven do you want to just get the job done and you know you don't think about anything else um, and if you're that kind of person you know the count to 10 rules really important okay because um, yeah. otherwise you're gonna you're gonna destroy um, confidence in other people you're going to destroy relationships for yourself and, and you won't end up being happy or are you and, and also think about the person you're speaking with right so when I'm talking about this really think about is is the person I'm speaking to 
are they a direct kind of person? In which case, if I speak for hours and hours, they're going to switch off. Right? Mm. How can I, for them, how can I get to the point? How can I be relevant so that I don't annoy that person? Because if I annoy that person, that's going to become unpleasant. Mm. Okay, so that's one kind of person, the direct kind of person. Uh, then there's a kind of person we call the influencer. Now, this this person just wants to be noticed, right? They just want acknowledgement. They want recognition. And they'll, you know, you see them dressed quite, um, the word that's coming to mind is effervescently, right? So kind of really, you notice, right? You notice them when they walk into the room. They've, they've got all the gestures and, you know, they love to talk and like that. So if you're that kind of a person, uh, you want to make sure that if you're speaking to somebody who's a direct kind of person, you don't talk for hours, right? Um, and if you're someone, if you're someone like that who wants acknowledgement, you want to know that if you're not getting that, you're going to feel upset. So you want to apply some emotional intelligence to how can I manage myself? Because not everyone's going to think I'm wonderful, and not everyone's going to want to listen to me speaking for hours and hours. Right. So how can I manage myself? And then um, if you're the challenger, so that's where you'd be the challenger because you'd be annoying people. Right. If you if, yeah. you, if, they're, if they're if they just want to get the get the nuggets and move on. Yeah. Then there's the kind of person who just wants to support others. We call that the steadiness character. So they just want to make sure everybody's okay and everything's okay and there's no conflict going on and, you know, how can I help you, right? If you're that kind of person and you're the challenger, what you're doing is you're annoying people because actually they don't want to be supported they're grown-up adults and they can look after themselves, mm, for example, yeah. right? So you want to watch your tendency to want to look after and nurture and make sure everybody's okay. And if you're the per – because otherwise, especially the dominance and influence types will get really annoyed by it. In fact, all the other types will get quite annoyed by that. So you want to really understand yeah. yourself, you know. And 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 if you're in a conflict situation with one of these people, with a supporter person, and you want to diffuse the situation, think about how they can help you because there's nothing they love more than being able to help you. Yeah. I and was just about <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I was just Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there's nothing they want more than to help you. So if, if and most likely there's something they can help you with and just ask them for that and that'll diffuse the conflict situation to an extent. And then there's the data process person, right, who we say is concerned about conscientiousness. And it's really funny. I'm working with a client and I interviewed um, one of the senior management team yesterday and this conscientiousness was kind of ringing loud from this person, right? Because yeah. um, they're, they're trying to sort out, finally, they're start trying to sort out a conflict situation within their trustees group. And I'm kind of exploring with him, how would you, you know, how can, how can we diffuse this situation? And he's very proud, very proudly telling me about these five different strategies that he's tried and put forward. And, he doesn't understand why they don't work because, you know, and logically from a process or data point of view, 
they should work because his arguments for all five were really great. But he forgot that he's dealing with human beings, not robots. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You can't can't limit human behavior or actions to strategies. They can always just go out the window. Yeah, yeah. Because no matter how straightforward the logic is, if the human beings don't get it or if it if it grinds against what they want, then they're not going to take any notice, you know. So if you're a data person, and I'm guessing a lot of us are, if you're, a, you know, a process, I've followed the process, I've got this business case here, the numbers show this, just make sure you understand who you're presenting that to. Is it a, a, a numbers is it a numbers doing person in which case you go fine but is it somebody who's direct who just wants the top line is it somebody who wants to be acknowledged or is it somebody who wants to support you you know mm. and those are you know those are four very distinct characters most human beings are also a combination of those we're not just one generally I mean this person yeah. I was speaking to yesterday was just a complete conscientiousness person which <laughs> you know I had to stop laughing <laughs> but, well, at least I stopped myself from laughing rather. Um, but mostly, you know, it's not it's not a straightforward thing and it takes um takes a lot of practice and obviously that's something we, we help help people do. I really um I really like how you've sort of split out, I guess, these different groups you could say of how we sort of interact and handle and engage with other people so obviously from the dominant to the influencer to I guess the supportive nurturing role to then like the data logical like this is how things are Um, and I think that also helps our listeners understand and position a way to understand the other person when it comes to that conflict and just one small question that I would like to ask specifically when it comes to I guess the challenger is when, when it is, you know, let's say a microaggression, it is something that was not intended. Um, and, you know, you, you've now been told that that was incorrect because of X, Y, Z. How, yeah. is there, is there a, is there, oh, I don't know how to ask this. Is there a way for that not to happen again? Cause obviously there is, when it comes to, diversity when it comes to black lives matter um or the queer community or disability like whatever there is always lifelong learning like i don't think you can just say i know everything um but is there a way that they can reduce the impact of such conflict does that make sense no it does (laughs) and i'm going to give you one of them because that's a topic i'm covering in the webinar at the end of October for you amazing so I'm going to be doing that I'm going to be covering this topic in much more detail but very quickly one thing to train yourself in is not to be defensive and how you can do that is remember that especially in the case of things like microaggressions it's not your intention that matters mostly you would have intended well you know, with that art gallery um, example, I'm sure the the visitor thought they were paying a compliment to this gallery host. Mm, right? Yeah. But that didn't matter because how it left the gallery host feeling was less than, you know, like diminished. 
so so that that's the that's um a top tip for now and then we'll have some more later it's really um look mm. at the, listen to what they're saying and listen to that as if it's the truth right so it's the impact you have that you want to listen to rather than your good intention absolutely that's i think that's a fantastic um i guess golden nugget and a teaser for us so we'll definitely be linking obviously the webinar below as well so that um listeners can follow up and find out a bit more about how to handle the those specific interactions um yeah. and i guess just going back sorry um so many questions i missed um, out the observer didn't i <laughs> yeah i was just about to ask what about the observer what about the person who's there and watching this conflict, what what is their role and what can they be doing? Yeah, and, uh, you know, it depends on the context, right? And it depends on what the outcome is you want to achieve. So in some cases, you can um, observe what's happening. You want to watch your reactions as well because your inner conflict will be stirred up you want to like there are different things you can do if it's especially around one of the protected characteristics if you wanted you could follow the kind of hr process line i wouldn't recommend that it doesn't usually go well um you might you might think do you know what the safest thing here is to stay out of it yeah so again we're back to the five strategies right so you might you know you might avoid it, um, and that might be the safest thing to do. But then if you've got some concerns or if you've got some inner angst about it, you want to make sure that gets processed out somehow, somewhere. Uh, you might want to go in and be supportive. So I'm kind of jumping from the strategy to the personality piece. So if you're, a, you know, when you observe a co- conflict situation, actually the the hardest thing is for the supporter type person to stay out of it because they want to go and help and make sure everything's okay. Yeah. You know, so, um, so what I would do is really look at um, whether it will be productive for you to get involved. Yeah. What's the best outcome you want to achieve if you did get involved. And once you, once you, have figured out what that outcome is because there can be many different outcomes right there can be an outcome like actually I want to educate that visitor to the gallery um which and then how am I going to achieve that what's the best way for me to do that is it an accommodating strategy is it a collaborative strategy a compromise strategy probably not a compete or an avoid right yeah um if you've got an outcome you want to achieve, like I want to educate this person, you might have an outcome like I want to make sure my colleague's okay, right? So in that case, you might let the scenario play out and then just help your colleague process any upset that he or she may have or they may have. Um, And sometimes really the best thing is to avoid and walk away and then find a way to let go of any any upset that you have through safe space yeah it's it's a real challenging um 
I guess, a challenging role to be in, as well as obviously the one doing it or the one facing it, but also doing it and making, I guess, making that decision then and there on, you know, whether you should get involved and the impact of being involved, because, you know, you can once again have the best intent, but the impact is not. Exactly, exactly. I've got I've got a really good example on that one actually. I, well, I think it's a good example, right? Um, which is which is that um, when we work with organisations, we often find that the and, and I'm stereotyping just to make a point, and I don't mean to stereotype, right? But the young millennials, they really want to make sure everybody's looked after, to make sure that that Black Lives Matter results in an anti-racist strategy. And they're saying, do you know, um, and and there's there's an organization in in the cultural sector that's been guiding people on sending letters to make sure arts organizations are held to account, right? So these young people, the the, the more junior, the even middle management, but the kind of under 35s group are kind of saying, well, we've got to write back to each of these. We've got to say that our stats aren't good enough and you know so forth so on and so forth Mm. and it's valid right it's valid and then you've got the executives thinking about okay we agree with you but we have to manage the organization's reputation we have to manage that the um, response does not have a detrimental effect on our organization because then we won't have an organization. Yeah. Especially in these times. So so then we as the facilitators of this transformation process, we're kind of looking on and helping them work out how to move forward in a collaborative way and have everybody experience being heard, right? Absolutely. you know, and still operate with integrity around Black Lives Matter. Absolutely. And I think that example that you just highlighted is a very, um, I guess, recent example in the fact that, especially when it comes to Black Lives Matter, you know, you can potentially see that disconnect in the generations when it comes to the working world. Um, And yeah, example, I think, really echoes well. And I think, as you said, it's about finding that, Space for collaboration where both can be heard to collaborate and create the best impact that still supports Black Lives Matter and the full diversity of, you know, the communities that we're serving, the worlds that we live in and so forth. Um, So I just, I have still so many questions, but the one thing that I would like to ask you, I think it's very relevant to what we're facing right now and obviously, working from home, you know, in certain certain countries across the world, some of our listeners are in quarantine and in lockdown. So how, with conflict, how do we ensure that it doesn't leak into, you know, that personal space, that home space, because it's not like, okay, I'm going to close the door at work and open the door at home. You know, we're at home, we're working from home. So how do we in this period that we're living in with obviously all the golden nuggets and insight that you've provided just now specifically, how do we ensure that we switch off in quotation marks, um, switch off the conflict we log off? 
Yeah, yeah. So um, a few things here, in fact, three that I'm going to give you, I think. The first is you need to look after yourself and it's really easy when you're at home and you've got deadlines and you've got a workload to just work really long hours. You know, it's really easy to work hard, to kind of roll out of bed, get to your laptop, work, 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 stop for your meals and then go to bed. And if you're doing that, you're not looking after your physiology and your body, right? So you've got to make sure you have the right amount of rest. And that's hard when, especially at this time when, you know, we're all kind of locked down, we're worried about our jobs, we want to show our value like that, right? So um, what you want to do is make sure you take some time to do some exercise every day, even if it's a little thing, just something, a little bit of exercise every day. You want to make sure you eat well, eat nourishing food, and just take time to stretch and take breaks. That's the first tip. Um, The second is to give yourself some space to unwind, especially before going to bed. Give yourself some space to do something that nurtures your heart, that nurtures you. And um, even if that's journaling or reflecting on something or... Um, you know, having a call with a family member or a good friend or, or do you know, vegging out in front of Netflix. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Whatever that is that lets your brain take a rest is really important. And then the third thing is to what I call contract. So contract at home and contract at work. And I'm finding actually some organizations are being really good about this now. So you call these phone numbers, um, you know, like customer service centers. And the the voicemail, the the message that's there before you get through to the agent actually says, you know, in these situations, um, our agents are working from home, our colleagues are working from home. So uh, please bear with us. The sound quality might not be so good. You might hear a dog bark in the background and a child might suddenly run into the room and say something. Please bear with us. Right. Yeah. Uh, And and if your organization isn't already doing that, I would say that at the beginning of a call. And it's kind of like it's not like you're unique. Everybody's in that space. And if you say that, probably everybody else would have a sigh of relief. Right. Yeah. Because they're facing the same thing. And it's like, you know, just, hey, look, this is the circumstance we're working in. Um, Please excuse me if somebody suddenly walks into the room. My husband brings me a cup of tea or um, you know, my dog barks, you know, (laughs) you know. That's just where we find ourselves and, and we all find ourselves in that space. So that's contracting um, at work and then contracting at home is really managing the other side of that is to let yeah. your family know yeah, that you're going to be on a work call or let them know when. And um, I think I shared this with you last time, but I've, one of my clients does this really great thing which is whenever she's on a work call, she goes into the room in which she's working, closes the door and puts up um, a notice for anybody who comes towards the door. And I think I can't remember which children's character she puts it as, right? It's kind of like, do not enter. Um, I'm on a call. 
do not speak yeah. loudly, do not this, do that. And if you're hungry, open the fridge door, there's food in there. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> and that's contracting at home, right? And letting people know when you're working and when you're available for them. Because that's the other yeah. side of it, right? When you're available for them. And if you've got kids, I mean, right now kids are back at school, but I know a lot of classes are being shut down and and uh, told to lock down um, and, and isolate. And, and you yeah. know, maybe they'll be starting this online teaching again, in which case you want to look at how you're going to manage that, right, in a way that's sane for you. Yeah, um, absolutely. Absolutely. And I really, I really like that sort of contract at home and contract at work idea. Um, and I think it's just, you know, if you are, you know, you're living with family or your kids or your, you know, your brother or whoever, I think that just makes it really clear, but also enables you to clearly cut out your day. So, you know, you're going to tell your kids, for example, I'm working up until 4 p.m. and then I'm all yours and then that's the clear you know cut between working time and then my my time my my me time basically so I think that's a really um good nugget you've just um provided as well as obviously having that time to unwind at the end of the day and just number one looking after your health and well-being um sleep drinking water that's something I think that have been forgotten working from home um I and that one out yes. yeah water water is key gotta keep hydrated um so I just that was um oh there's just so I still have so many questions to ask but I will take them offline um but I guess it would be great um just to hear I guess a little summary or wrap up from yourself um because we have covered a lot of things from different types of conflict from subtle to avert to microaggressions to then actually dealing and subduing conflict um you could say from the challenged the challenger and obviously the observer as well um to as well specific examples such as the kill man which you provided um so i guess is there is there a little summary or a way to wrap up a way to yeah manage yeah. be confident in your reactions at mm. in regards to conflict at work let me think so I think there are three core skills because you're right we covered a lot of material here right and a lot of it takes time to absorb and even to to start to apply uh, so let's see number one is really think about how you receive communication and think about how to give communication right so if you're thinking about how you receive communication use the disc tool the the direct the influencer the supporter the data um, examples to understand yourself and if you're about to give a communication and you suspect it might cause offense to the other person then, you know, be mindful about how you communicate that or maybe don't communicate it, right? Find a way to communicate it that it's, that it's palatable. The second thing is just think about your past conflict situations, especially where you didn't intend to cause a conflict. You know, you know that kind of situation where you're kind of talking, 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 and then someone says something and you're like, how did that happen? 
right? <laughs> uh, you know, that happens, doesn't it? Um, yeah. And reflect back on those and think about what you did and the impact that had on the other person. And I, I like this little acronym, right? It's, I call it Give Yourself a Kiss. So as oh, you no. reflect back, on, you know, as you reflect back on those conflict situations, <clears throat> think about what there would have been some things you did right. So what are you going to keep doing? There will be some things that you did, but actually could be done differently and would improve. So what are you going to improve on? There are some things that definitely didn't work. So what are you going to stop doing? And then maybe as you reflect back on, you could start to identify, well, actually, I could do this and that and that. And so those are the things you're going to start doing. So um, give yourself a kiss. Keep, improve, stop, start. Okay. And take time to reflect back as a self-development exercise. And the third thing is understand how others might approach the same situation and how to work effectively with people that you don't naturally get on with. Okay, so think about if you're a, a driven person, think about how you can accommodate an influencing person so that they can experience being valued they can experience being connected with you and and feel safe to communicate because if you don't create especially if you're a leader if you don't create a safe environment then there could be big consequences for yourself not just in the relationship but potentially even for your organization so really start to look at how you can work effectively with people who are different from you so i have rambled on so let me tell you again so um <laughs> <laughs> think about how you receive and give information reflect on your past conflict situations and give yourself a kiss and yeah. understand how others might approach the situation and how you can work effectively with this uh, you know and I think the last thing to say is that conflict isn't something you can really plan and strategize over in the moment it can happen really quickly so it might not be possible to do everything that you're required to do in the moment. So um, especially with the first tip I gave you. So if you practice more of the second tip, which is giving yourself a kiss, mm. you'll increase your capacity to do the first thing, which is think about how you communicate and then your um ability to work with people who are different from you and, and deal with conflict will evolve over time. Absolutely. And that that is just such a fantastic way to summarize, especially, you know, positioning that we there will be moments where we're not, you know, able to plan or strategize. But I think that ability of having self-reflection, keeping yourself grounded and, you know, putting health and well-being at the forefront enables you to have more of a conscious understanding and awareness of you know that conflict which may arise as you've said you're just having a conversation you're like how did that happen and now we're here um so I think definitely um having that self-reflection throughout and just thank you so much um for sharing so much with me and the listeners as well um we will be linking um Aishreen's um LinkedIn below so please don't hesitate to reach out to her and obviously just reference that you listen to the podcast because she is getting a lot of requests um, and <laughs> these days but yeah don't hesitate to reach out and obviously you can schedule a time to discuss further and learn more from obviously 
Aishreen's fantastic and very practical advice. Um, so thank you. Thank you, Jordan. It's been such a pleasure and quite a lot of fun having this conversation with you.